Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Dr. Patrick Vickers is an expert on the indisputable cellular science behind health and disease and the face of Gerson therapy worldwide. He was trained by Dr. Gerson's family and is one of the few people to have studied Dr. Gerson's handwritten files. He continues to carry on Dr. Gerson's legacy through his clinic, the Advanced Gerson Therapy Clinic in Rosarita, Mexico the world's premier clinic for the natural treatment of cancer and advanced disease. Dr. Patrick Vickers is also featured in the epic documentary series, The Truth About Cancer, a global quest. And one of his patients is also chronicled in the classic documentary, The Beautiful Truth. Dr. Vickers, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise with us. Yeah, thank you very much. the life and legacy and therapy of Dr. Gerson is is something to behold. So uh, it's always an honor to be able to share it. So I would like you to take us back. Did you know when you were young, let's say eight, 10 years old, did you know you wanted to be a doctor? And, and what was sort of your original intention going into med school? That's a great question. I wanted to be a chiropractor ever since I was 11 years old. Really? That's how, yeah, that's how it all started. I, a friend of our family's was a chiropractor and they are staying at our home for the weekend of his wife and his three children. And his five-year-old boy was sleeping in my room with me one night when he woke up with a cough that would not stop. He woke up at like three in the morning with a cough that would not stop. And finally, his father heard him, came upstairs, lied him on the end of the bed and started adjusting his neck both ways. And immediately the child stopped coughing immediately. And he didn't cough the rest of the night. And it's like three in the morning. I'm 11 years old. I'm like, whoa. I said, that's what I want to do for a living. I was on the fast track to, to being a golfer. I was one a of the golfer? top golfers. Yeah, I was one of the top <laughs> golfers in the U.S. at that, you know, when I was a kid. And really? so that's, that, yeah, that was really my passion. My passion for what I saw that night overrode my desire to play golf. So here I am a year away from graduating chiropractic school when a woman by the name of Charlotte Gerson came and spoke at my school, the last living daughter of Dr. Max Gerson. And when she opened her mouth, I said, that's what I'm going to do. And so here I was a year away from graduating my lifelong dream. And I said, that's what I'm going to do. And I was about an A, A, B student at that point in chiropractic school. I had a year left after she spoke. That last year, I barely made C's. And that's because anytime I had extra time, all I did was study the Gerson therapy. And so I graduated from school and Charlotte immediately, you know, recognized my passion for the therapy because I went and introduced myself, (laughs) expressed that I want to come out after I finish school and learn the therapy, spend time at the clinic. 
Well, eventually she ended up inviting me to her home. And uh, I spent two months at her home in San Diego where she had all her father's handwritten files from 1910 to 1959 when he when he died. I'm one of a handful of people, as you mentioned, that have ever had the opportunity to see those files. It was a life-changing experience when, when I met her. Ask me if I'd be a golfer, a medical doctor, whatever. <laughs> I'd say never. I would never want to be anything else. That's how it all started. And here we are 25 years later. What I want to know is what did she say that day at your school? You're a year out from graduating. You've had this, this passion since you were 11 years old. What did she say that day that made such a difference? When you grow up, even understanding chiropractic, and then you're in chiropractic school, and you understand what the medical profession did to destroy chiropractic, you understood not just the you understood the corruption of the medical and pharmaceutical industry that really the government wasn't really involved in that as it related to trying to destroy chiropractic the other thing was when you have that experience at 11 years old you see at that moment the incredible power of the human body to be able to heal when you give it what it needs but even as a chiropractor i didn't quite understand that the human body had the ability to reverse advanced terminal cancer if you give it what it needs. So when she opened her mouth and started talking about her father reversing the most advanced cases of cancer and how he was utterly destroyed by not just the medical and pharmaceutical industry, but by the United States government itself, that is when the floodgates open wide to a myriad of everything that's going on around you. Because the Gerson therapy, not only does it expose medicine, you know, pharmaceuticals, the medical industry, it exposes everything going on around us. And those were the things Gerson was talking about in his day. He was exposing the deepest aspects of what was causing disease, which are the deepest aspects of our economy, our government, you know, the lobbying groups within Washington, all of these things, Dr. Gerson became a huge threat. So when she was at our school and she started talking about these things, I could hardly believe it. But I knew instinctively that it was true and that I needed to know more. And the more that I found out and the more that I learned, the more I realized not only were we dealing with the greatest genius in medical history, but we have seriously dark forces at work within our within the world, but most certainly within the halls of our government, the medical, the pharmaceutical industry. And so that's to what drives me to this day to do what I do. I love your passion. Oh, my goodness. It's just like shouting through oh gosh the screen i love it and not that you're shouting but like the passion yeah how could you how could you not be passionate about something like that you know and and it's mind-boggling to me that the other 300 people in that room that heard charlotte gerson speak nobody's done anything with it that's something i'll never understand i just have a deep deep love for dr gerson his therapy his legacy I mean, even my firstborn son was born on Dr. Gerson's birthday, for God's sakes. 
Really? Well, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I don't believe in coincidences. So that's no. very interesting. Yeah, crazy. Before you tell us about the therapy, tell us a yeah. little bit about the man himself. Nobel Peace Prize winner, Dr. Albert Schweitzer. He called Dr. Gerson the greatest genius in medical history, right? That started at a very early age. When Gerson was a six-year-old boy, he would experiment in his grandma's backyard with her soil. He would pour like toxic chemicals into her soil and he'd watch the worms crawl out and move to the healthier soil. That had a huge impact on him when he was a six, seven-year-old boy. So fast forward to 18 years old. In order to get into university in Germany, back at 1900, that's when it was in 1900, he was 18 years old. You had to pass an exit exam. On his calculus portion of his exit exam, his teacher put a, a question on there that he'd never seen before. But he managed to come up with such an elaborate solution to the equation that his teacher couldn't even tell him if it was right or wrong. She ended up sending it to all the top math professors in Germany at that time. And they all wrote back saying, we have a mathematical genius within our country. And they all tried to recruit him for math. So here we are. He's 18 years old. He's now a mathematical genius within all of Germany. His family, recognizing they have something very special in their midst, they decide they're going to get together at the Gerson household. Mother, father, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, they all get together at the Gerson household to have a meeting. And that meeting was to discuss what he will study at university. Because they thought that if he went on to study math, he would just be stuck in a cubicle, figuring out equations for the rest of his life, not really having any impact on humanity. And after that meeting, they decided that he would study medicine. What and did he so want to do? <laughs> what did he say about it? Well, what does that tell you necessarily about our society at that time? I mean, back then, society was more communal. Mm, there was yeah. more, we felt more of an obligation to each other rather than to ourselves. Children probably had a lot more faith in their family unit on what was best for them. I mean, as parents, you know, we always ultimately know what's best for our kids, even when they don't. And so back then, that must have just been normal, yeah. you know, for children to trust in their families. So he goes on to medical school and he's suffering from severe debilitating migraine headaches. This is at a time when Germany was leading the way in medicine. If you wanted a superior medical education, you went to Germany at that time to get it. Now people come here, right? Right. But you went to Germany back then. Yeah, the top professors in the world. And they couldn't do a thing for him. They had no idea what to do for him. So he had to cure himself. And he cured himself of those severe migraine headaches by altering his lifestyle and his diet. He cut out all the salt, fat, sugar, all the alcohol, you know, standard of the German lifestyle and diet. And he cured himself of his migraine headaches. He graduates from school and he goes on to 
open a practice in Bielefeld, Germany, and he starts applying this migraine diet. When one of his patients comes back to him completely cured of their skin tuberculosis, this is at a time when tuberculosis was literally killing over a million people in yeah. Europe. And so he starts realizing that, hey, maybe I can start curing this deadly scourge of tuberculosis. So he starts treating tuberculosis patients and he's curing virtually all of them, all of them. When a guy by the name of Ferdinand Zauerbrook gets word that this guy named Dr. Gerson is curing tuberculosis. Well, who's Ferdinand Zauerbrook? He was Europe's leading thoracic surgeon. He was the one operating on all these lung tuberculosis patients. Zauerbrook approaches Gerson privately and asks him to embark on a study of 460 tuberculosis patients. And he says, if you cure but one, I'll believe every single word you say. And he cured 450 out of 461 cases. Wow. And so he became renowned for having cured tuberculosis. Well, Hitler comes to power. Gerson is a German Jew. And he, he actually, all those people in his home that got together to decide they were all killed in the Holocaust. <sighs> Dr. Gerson lost his entire family in the Holocaust and he himself nearly died in the Holocaust while on his way to lecture in Vienna, Austria on curing tuberculosis. Immediately when he finished his lecture in Austria, he returns back to Germany, gets his wife, gets his three kids and flees to France. When Hitler invades France, Gerson flees by boat to Manhattan and he set up practice on Park Avenue in Manhattan, literally on the same corner as Memorial Sloan Kettering, <laughs> the world's, one of the world's leading cancer research hospitals. I mean, what are the chances? Yeah. So he sets up on Park Avenue right by Memorial Sloan Kettering. When a woman who hears that Gerson is now in New York is suffering from terminal cancer of the gallbladder, the stomach, and the liver, she goes to his office and begs him to give her his tuberculosis treatment. He refused. He absolutely refused to treat her for her cancer with his tuberculosis treatment. Now, this is back in like 1936 or 38. Why would he not treat her? Because even back then, as a medical doctor, the political and professional risks that you would come under if you were treating cancer naturally back then, he didn't want to take those risks. Well, she kept showing up at his office and refused to take no for an answer. And after like the fifth time, he said, okay, madam, I'm going to treat you in secret. And he ends up giving her his tuberculosis treatment. 
and completely cures her of her advanced cancer. And he said at that point, I could no longer turn my face away from this deadly scourge of cancer. And he dedicated the rest of his life to treating advanced cancer almost specifically at the risk of everything he ended up eventually suffering at the hands of our government, the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, his own colleagues. It's a tragic story. It's truly one of the tra most tragic stories in certainly medical history, if not human history. So he flees Europe because he's Jewish during the war, finds his way to Manhattan with his family, opens a private practice due to the persistence of this patient who has metastatic cancer, discovers that his therapy actually can cure cancer in addition to tuberculosis. Take us there. He now has decided to dedicate his life to treating people who have advanced cancer. And I'm guessing now we're like, you know, mid 40s. What happens then? Because I believe you said he died in 1959. That's, what you That's said? right. Yeah. So, I mean, we're only talking like a, you know, 10, 15 years left in his life. So that's right. So what happens next and, and how does he end up in Mexico? Yeah, that's a great question. So you're right. Your, your chronology there is pretty good. Figure 1938 was when this woman approaches him. He discovers he's curing cancer, right? All of a sudden, he starts treating cancer. Now, in the beginning, you know, word's not going to get out much because you're just starting to treat cancer. But imagine five, six years down the road and all these people are shouting from the rooftops that this doctor has cured them of terminal cancer. In 1946, the Pepper Neely anti-cancer bill went to the floor of the United States Senate. It was designed to give $100 million in funding to anyone who could show promise in the realm of cancer research. So naturally, they're finding, trying to find people who can reverse advanced cancer, which there was really nobody, very few at the time, if any. Word got around somehow that there's this guy in New York who's curing advanced cancer. So on July 1st through the 3rd, 1946, Dr. Max Gerson's called to, to testify before the Council on Foreign Relations and this on behalf of this bill. It was connected with the Council on Foreign Relations. Why? The pepper, the pe I don't know. It must have been an issue of national security or something. Who knows? Wow. But he was called to testify July 1st through the 3rd for the Pepper Neely anti-cancer bill. Now, Senator Claude Pepper, to this day, remains the longest serving senator and congressman in US history. And so Senator Claude Pepper is a big name. So shocked was everybody in that room those three days. Gerson brought five of his most terminal or 10 of his most terminal cancer patients that he'd ever had that were completely cured. They were so shocked that Senator Claude Pepper himself said Dr. Gerson dedicated his life to the mastery of this scourge of cancer and all should honor his great work. Why is he not a household name at this point? I'm not just 1946. I mean, today, 
Clearly. Yeah, why didn't he get the funding? <laughs> I mean, what happened to the funding? Exactly. So you need to understand Gerson wasn't just talking about cancer in that room. Gerson was talking about the causes of cancer around the world. So let's look at that. How about the food industry? How about the agrochemical industry? How about the big petroleum and big energy causing all the pollution around the world? How about smoking? All these things Gerson was talking about before the very men who were funded by those industries. They're all funded by that. Could you imagine the red flags that went off when he started opening up his mouth? Gerson was set to give an interview to the international press after that testimony. So he's whisked off to the international press room and he sat there alone for an hour and a half. No. They never, they never showed up. An impromptu party was thrown on their behalf and they never showed up to interview him. Can you imagine? Here's your day in the sun and you're sitting there thinking the whole world now is ready to hear what you're doing for the world. Your whole life has led up to this point and you were squashed like a bug right then and there. However, present at Gerson's testimony was a guy by the name of Raymond Graham Swing. ABC's news anchor, who you heard the news from every night for decades, because he had worked for ABC for 30 years at that point. Well, he went on his radio broadcast that night and he said, Folks, please forgive me if I don't have my morals correct in not talking about these headline stories that he should have been talking about that night. Raymond Graham Swing spent over a half hour talking about Dr. Gerson and what he had heard behind Senate chambers doors for nine hours after that broadcast, the switchboard at ABC news radio in Manhattan was completely full with people calling from all over the world, trying to find out where to get this cure for cancer. Two weeks later, Raymond Graham Swing was fired from his job at ABC News Radio. This is what we deal with now. This is what we were dealing with even back then. Money is corrupt. Power is corrupt. And absolute power, as we know, corrupts absolutely. Dr. Gerson became a marked man. And anyone who shouted his therapies from the rooftops, like Raymond Graham Swing, became just as Mark. Gerson was one of the most published men in the world leading up to that point. When it became known that he was treating advanced cancer and was exposing it at, before the government, he became a marked man and became prohibited from publishing in all major medical journals around the world up until his death in 1959. He was completely ostracized by his medical colleagues. He lost his licensure from the New York State Medical Society. He was utterly and completely destroyed. 
and died in 1959 at the age of 80. An extremely, extremely depressed man, as you can imagine. So you knew going into this, or you at least had a hint of, because like you said, chiropractors often face the same sort of resistance. You, you had some idea what you were up against and you moved forward anyway. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. So, so tell us, what was it like for you at the very beginning, that first year or two? And, and tell us, you kind of hinted at it, but tell us a little bit more when people use the term Gerson therapy, what that actually is. What, what does that even mean? Yeah. So look, the first two years, when you come across something like that, like this, uh, it's like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're just, you're so excited that you have been, you've been given this information. I mean, it is the most powerful therapy in the history of medicine. Eight movies have chronicled our work. No other therapy in the history of modern medicine for certain has anywhere near that kind of exposure on an international scale. Not, not even remotely. Why? Because no other therapy can reverse advanced disease like the Gerson therapy does. It's that simple. And I challenge anyone to try to disprove that. You can't. For the first year or two, you're like, you become so passionate. You're just so excited about it. Then you get into the nuts and bolts of what really comes with it, which is dealing with cancer. I'm a totally different person than I was 25 years ago when I came across this. Cancer is the ultimate breakdown of the human organism. And when you realize health is mind, body, and spirit, it's all of those components. You are seeing the ultimate breakdown of mind, body, and spirit. You've seen what this society does to contribute to all of these things that we're dealing with today. When cancer comes into your clinic, it's a lot more than just a physical disease. It's broken spirits, broken emotions, broken relationships, people whose bodies and their minds are deranged at that point. And so it's not all glorious. Everything you've heard to this point sounds, you know, wow. I mean, that's just incredible. But there's an ugly, ugly side to treating advanced diseases and cancer. In the Bible, Solomon said the increase in knowledge is the increase in misery. Because the more you see that others aren't seeing, you look like the madman mad when it's everyone around you that's the madman. That's probably been the most difficult aspect of what I do is that what comes into my clinic, it's a microcosm of what's going on out in the world. That's what it is. Because cancer is the ultimate breakdown of the human organism on all levels. And to see the degeneration of what God once created perfectly can be kind of depressing. And it's not getting any better. It's only getting worse. So what is Gerson therapy? The Gerson therapy. It's a lot, but I'm going to sum it up in its most very basic principles. If you ever heard Charlotte Gerson speak and someone asked her what causes disease, you would hear say two words, deficiency 
and toxicity. Those are the two things that cause disease. And so where does the deficiency come from? We were created to eat pure, unadulterated, nutrient-dense, organic food. End of story. If we don't, we will get sick. We go against the laws of nature. Those laws of nature will no longer defend us. Today, white sugar, white rice, white flour, cookies, cake, ice cream, drinking coffee, eating pasta, eating pizza, cooking with oils, loading our food with salt. We are destroying and depleting the internal human organ system to the point where the immune system can no longer fend off what it naturally defends. Right now, you and I, we have cancer. I have cancer. You have cancer. You have cancer cells in your body. That's normal. A human immune system that's healthy is destroying them and getting rid of them every day. So at what point does the body become overcome hmm. by the cancer? Through years and years, decades of depleting the nutrient status within the body. So how does the Gerson therapy restore that? The patients are getting 20 pounds of organic fruits and vegetables every single day. 20 pounds. That and, is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> just food, period. That's a lot. <laughs> Think not just about the consumption. How about the preparation? 20 pounds of organic. And if it's not organic, our patients die. It's that simple. If it's conventional produce, they don't survive because it's toxic. It's deficient because it's grown with artificial fertilizers and it's been radiated. They radiate conventional food to store it on the shelves longer. The Gerson therapy addresses the issues of deficiency. Once you start to rebuild the organic systems and restore the body's proper metabolism, which is the breakdown of food into energy, okay, which is the crux of the matter, really. The Gerson therapy, the secret to the Gerson therapy is restoration of metabolism, which has been broken down through the breakdown of all the organic systems. When you start to restore the nutrient status to the body, you restore the immune system. It's that simple. There is no other way. There's no other way to restore the human immune system than massive amounts of nutrition that you've neglected to take in a majority of our lives. So then the issue of toxicity. Well, where's toxicity coming from? I mean, come on, it's everywhere now. We're taught that now there's up to 30,000 chemicals in our environment on any given day. You know, I mean, when Gerson, alive, Gerson was alive, maybe there were 5,000. That's how bad it's gotten. And so the issue of toxicity, it's in our air, in our water, in our food, it's everywhere. It's in our cosmetics, our perfumes, the things we're plugging into our house to make our house smell nice, scented candles. These things are so destructive. They're so utterly destructive. And so we have to detoxify those bodies coming into our clinic. And not only from a lifestyle of toxicity and environmental exposure, but the tumors are toxic. They have their own toxic byproducts. And then you start juicing and the body starts breaking down diseased tissue, well, that's toxic. 
And so we have to get toxins out of the body or we cannot cure them. And Gerson made this procedure absolutely famous. And the way you detoxify the human body, and there is not a more potent way to do it, is a coffee enema. The coffee enema is the most potent way to detoxify the human body. So once you address the deficiency and the toxicity, and you start to heal the gut, we're taught in natural medicine that 70% of your immune system is in your gut. gut. Yeah. Right? If you ever read Dirk Gerson's book that he wrote right before he died, there's one word that stands out in that book over and over and over again, and it's metabolism. Metabolism, metabolism, metabolism. Now, what is metabolism? I defined it earlier. It's the breakdown of food into energy. When you see someone who's sick and or dying, what do you notice? They're lethargic. Why are they lethargic? Because they've lost the capacity to produce energy on a cellular level. There's a breakdown of metabolism. Well, where does the breakdown of food into energy start? The gut. You got, if you're going to create energy on a cellular level, you need to be able to break down your food. The gut needs to be able to absorb it and deliver it to the cells. So everything we do is based on restoration of metabolism. That is your immune system. Is it any wonder that the precipitating cause or risk of you getting cancer is what? Obesity. Obesity. How many times have you heard? Obesity is a predominant risk in getting cancer. Why? Metabolism. You've lost. Okay, that. Yeah, you, I, yeah, choir right here. <laughs> but I feel like that's like the, the last, I don't know. It, it's like the, the one thing we still can't talk about in polite society, because whenever I do, I, I get so much hate and I get shut down. Like you would not believe, or people will privately tell me they agree with me, but publicly won't say anything at all. Obesity is is a huge problem. Yeah, and it's linked to thirteen types of cancer. Exactly. At well, least. Then, yeah, yeah, most of them, really. I mean, but with that said, listen, there's a lot of skinny people coming into my clinic with cancer. <laughs> right. You know, right. but that is one of the precipitating factors if you're going to get cancer, not obesity, and it's all based on metabolism. You got to heal the gut. How do you heal the gut? There's only one way to heal the gut. There's no other way to skin a cat to heal a gut than nutrition. You have to have nutrition. Once you heal the gut, now the body can break down food, absorb the nutrients into the body. Now you have the next problem. You now have to utilize those nutrients inside the cells. The cells now have to take in those nutrients, convert them into energy, rebuild new tissue, detoxify, and that's where the other crux of the Gerson therapy lies. So we've issued, we, we've addressed the issue of deficiency through 20 pounds of organic fruits and vegetables. We've addressed the issue of toxicity with the coffee enemas. And we'll go into why the coffee enemas work. The next thing you have to address once you've healed the gut, you have to restore the internal integrity of the cell that we've completely destroyed. 
And so there's a supplement protocol that's completely based on that aspect of restoring metabolism. You have to restore the internal metabolism of the cell. What does that mean? So here's your cell. Around your cell, you have a cell membrane. Inside of that cell, you have little things called mitochondria. And mitochondria, with the presence of oxygen, oxygen must be present. And this is the factor behind disease, oxygen being present. So cell membrane, mitochondria inside the cell, in the presence of oxygen, the mitochondria can convert sugar into energy. If you cannot get oxygen into the cell, you have a complete breakdown of metabolism because you need oxygen to convert food into energy. And this is where the crux of the matter of health and disease lies. In 1931, Otto Warburg won the Nobel Prize in Medicine for proving cancer, viruses, bacteria cannot survive in a body that's properly oxygenated, that can properly deliver cells, oxygen to the cells. Now, does that mean you hook yourself up to an oxygen machine and breathe oxygen? No, that wasn't what he meant. And in his theory, he went on to describe how the body's main ability to utilize oxygen was an alkaline diet. He went on to describe in his Nobel work that the primary factor in the body's ability to oxygenate tissues was an alkaline environment and that an acidic diet shuts down the body's ability to oxygenate tissues. So what does that mean? How many times have we heard that alkalinity promotes health and an acidic diet promotes disease? But that's never really explained to us the health implications. So when we're talking about alkalinity and acidity, what are we talking about? We're talking about pH, right? pH is potential hydrogen. So by definition, when you're acidic, you have the buildup of hydrogen within the body. Now, what does that mean? Let's start at that cell membrane. Around that cell membrane, it's made up of fats. What kind of fats? Whatever fats you're feeding it. Whatever mm. fats you're feeding the human body, it's naturally going to use to maintain that cell membrane. Now, that cell membrane is the gatekeeper. It determines what it's going to allow in and what it's not going to allow in and not what it's going to allow out. It's all determined at the level of the cell membrane. That cell membrane has an electrical charge. And that electrical charge is based on the type of fat that it's made up of. Well, what kind of fats are we eating today? Cookies, cake, ice cream, meat, oils, dairy, cheese. Processed. What kind of fats are those? Yeah, processed, saturated. Saturated. So what is a saturated fat by definition? What does that mean? Fats are long carbon chains. They're chains made up of carbon and they're defined based on their saturation 
with hydrogen. So saturated fats are saturated with hydrogen. So if your cell membrane is made up of saturated fats, hydrogen, as oxygen goes and approaches the cell, the electrical charge cannot accept it and it literally gets repelled away. By definition, acidity is the improper utilization of oxygen. So you have to completely restore the fat content at the level of the cell membrane. And the way Gerson did that, only one way, flax oil. Flax oil, he tried every single oil and they all caused the cancer to get worse. The only one he found was flax oil. So coconut oil, highly saturated. Olive oil, monosaturated. You give these to advanced cancer patients, they won't survive. It's that simple. You have to restore the fat at the level of cell membrane to restore the electrical charge. And that's going to affect not just oxygen. That's going to affect nutrient absorption and utilization. Sure. It's going to affect detoxification. All of these things start to get better. And you start to restore metabolism. Now let's go inside the cell real quick. Back to the mitochondria. Today, they can't function properly inside the cell. Why? Because a normal cell like this now looks like this. Salt consumption today is destroying human metabolism. And that goes for the good salt. People say, well, I don't eat table salt. I eat the good salt. There's no such thing as I good didn't salt. know there was a good salt. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. Well, there's Celtic salt. There's Himalayan <laughs> salt. And good. people are taught that these are actually healthy because they haven't had the minerals stripped out of them like table salt has. So they actually consume them like a health product. And it's not a health product. Sodium chloride is the destructive molecule. It destroys the thyroid gland. Table salt's 99% sodium chloride. Your most unrefined healthy salt is 87% sodium chloride. That destroys the thyroid gland, which is responsible for producing mitochondria. Your thyroid produces the little mitochondria inside your cells. That's why when someone's hypo, low thyroid, they have no energy because the mitochondria aren't converting, producing energy. They're losing their hair. They're cold all the time. So, and they're overweight. You have to get salt and water out of the cells. So the Gerson therapy, absolutely no sodium other than what naturally occurs in fruits and vegetables. And so these are the principles of how you restore metabolism using the Gerson therapy. And this is why the Gerson therapy historically is the most powerful therapy in the history of medicine. Tell me about a patient that has really stood out even after all these years. In the movie, The Beautiful Truth, uh, you'll see a patient who came actually in the movie, The Gerson Miracle. So in 2004, the movie, The Gerson Miracle was made. That won best film at the 2004 Beverly Hills Film Festival. And in that movie, you'll see a woman come in with six months to live with terminal ovarian cancer. Fast forward to 2008, 
the movie The Beautiful Truth is made, which actually, as you mentioned earlier, chronicles one of my patients. This one isn't my patient. She comes into the Gerson Clinic in 2004 with terminal ovarian cancer. And when you see her in 2008, it will send shivers up and down your spine. Because in two, they show the footage side by side, 2004, 2008. She looked like death in 2004. Mm -hmm. And when you see her in 2008, you can hardly believe it's the same person. It is a complete restoration of the human organism. That's what you see. That is just the most incredible thing that you can see on film. And my patient that you see in the movie, The Beautiful Truth, she was completely cured as well. The ovarian cancer patient. Then there's one named Michael Kaler. Michael Kaler came to our clinic about three years ago. He had terminal lymphoma. He had probably six to 12 months to live. He had a five inch tumor compressing his lung. He came into our clinic in excruciating pain. And you can see me interview Michael on my website a, a few times, actually. After three weeks at our clinic, he left the clinic virtually pain-free because we were able to reduce the pressure that the tumor was creating just within a span of three weeks. Three years later, Michael's still alive, completely cured of his lymphoma. And then there's one more that, you know, I talk about a lot. Uh, I, I don't want to give her last name. Her name's Edie. She came in with stage four rectal cancer, bleeding rectally in excruciating pain. And again, three weeks after leaving our clinic, she was virtually pain-free. She went home and continued the therapy. Five years later, she's alive and well, completely cured. What majority, if you had to give a percentage, of the people who come to you have already done some form of traditional treatment, whether it's surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, whatever. And is there a patient who, for whatever reason, was not cured by the Gerson therapy? Oh, of course. We don't cure everyone. And if there's any natural treatment center out there telling you how great their statistics are that they're curing 75, 80% of their patients. They're lying through their teeth. We probably have the best success rates of any therapy in the world. And if we're curing now 35% of terminal cases, terminal, terminal, six to 12 months to live. If they have more than a year to live, that those percentages are much better. We don't cure everyone. We never make that claim because anyone who would make that claim, they're just, they're feeding you a bunch of bull. The question about treatment before coming to our clinic, this is one of the most unfortunate things because I'd have to say 75% of my patients come to us with previous medical treatment. Chemotherapy just destroys the human immune system, absolutely destroys the human immune system. Yeah. So, you know, they're coming to us, you know, at the bottom of the barrel in terms of us being able to recuperate that. We can and we have and we do. But you come in with chemotherapy and radiation extensively. It's going to be a heck of a lot harder to cure you. 
Is there any particular cancer that responds especially well to the Gerson therapy that you've noticed even anecdotally? Yes. Melanoma and lymphoma. They're special cases. Why? All your other cancers, they have the ability to hide from the immune system. They can wrap an envelope around themselves, making them undetectable to the immune system. Fortunately, the supplements we give, the enzymes in the juices can start to break down that wall so that the immune system can eventually attack. Lymphoma and melanoma, they don't have that capacity. And so when you start to boost up the immune system, it can readily attack the disease. So our greatest successes would be lymphoma and melanoma. Like I said, we're reversing virtually every single type of cancer that there is. The only ones that are difficult, and they're, they're labeled cancers, which are actually a misnomer because they're, they're actually blood conditions. They're not cancers like leukemia, right? Or um, multiple myeloma. Uh, yeah, like multiple myeloma. Though multiple myeloma, you can have a little greater success with using extra therapies outside of the Gerson therapy, like really intense uh, pancreatic enzyme and papaya seed extract. For, for a case like a multiple myeloma. But those blood disorders, they really shouldn't be named cancers because they're not. They're blood disorders. But we don't do great, great with those, uh, with the basic Gerson therapy. With the advanced protocols and everything that we're using, we can have a greater success with myeloma. Chronic leukemia, we, ha we have success with. But acute leukemias, I wouldn't even attempt them. What about uh, soft tissue sarcoma versus um, solid tumor like a carcinoma? So in the movie, The Gerson Miracle, you will see a little girl who came in with a Ewing sarcoma and she's completely cured today. Not only with the Gerson therapy, but we also do something called the Coley's therapy, Coley's toxins. And Coley's toxins were highly specific for sarcomas. So we can successfully treat sarcomas as well. So what about carcinomas? Oh, yeah. Like take invest invasive ductal carcinoma. That's something we see quite often. And that's something that can be very successfully treated on the therapy. And before we get to the um, Thriver Rapid Fire, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you could only do one thing to improve healthcare in the U.S., what would it be and why? I would certainly completely change the laws making our, making natural treatment for cancer in the United States illegal. The reason why I'm in Mexico is because if I open my clinic in the United States, I go to jail. I mean, it's that simple. It gets shut down and I go to jail. So uh, that's what I would change. I would obviously break down those barriers and make it come one, come all for anyone who wants to try to help people cure themselves of their diseases and not make conventional medicine, chemotherapy, radiation, by law, the only acceptable form of, of treatment. So I guess if that's my only, my only one suggestion, I guess that's it. <laughs> and you go back and forth between your home in Washington State and Mexico, correct? I do. Okay, are you ready for the Thriver rapid fire questions? Yes. Beach, desert, or mountains? Uh, I'd have to say beach. 
So interesting, right? Because you go back and forth between <laughs> at least the beach oh. and the mountains. Yeah, that's right. I'm right in the mountains. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Oh, the Beatles. Holy smokes. <laughs> I was a huge when John Lennon, when John Lennon died, I was 12 years old. I literally cried for a week. No. Yeah. You cried for a week? I I cried for a week. You know, people were committing suicide when he died. I grew up from age five listening to the Beatles all day long. Who was the Beatles fan? Your mom or your dad? Neither. Oh, they weren't playing it? You were. Yeah, I was. Wow. All right. What is one word that best describes you? Persistent. Oh my like, gosh, that's the word I had. That's the word. Annoyingly, <laughs> un annoyingly persistent. I never take no for an answer. If oh someone gosh, says no, seriously. I'll just, I'll keep pressing them until I get yes. Before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? Imagine. See, you, you set yourself up, so it had to be a Beatles song because you set it up that way. <laughs> What's the last meal you want to eat? The last meal I want to eat. Um, I would have to say asparagus with onions and a potato. Really? Yeah. I mean, I like two of those things. but <laughs> Okay. The last person or people you want to see? Oh, boy. Like before I die or after I die? Before you die. Well, I'd have to want to say my wife and my newborn one-week-old daughter. Oh, what's her name? Amara Micah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, mm. that's really beautiful. And what are the last words you will speak before you die? That's a great question. The last words. You're going to make me cry. God, I hope I pleased you. And Dr. Gerson. Aside from Cancer U, what's one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? And please tell people how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, so there was a book written by Charlotte Gerson before she died. It was called uh, Healing the Gerson Way. That would probably be the book I would recommend. Dr. Gerson's book's a little too technical to okay. piece together. Uh, so Charlotte did a really nice job of writing that book. It's hard to even read that book and try to package the Gerson therapy into its entire whole because it's there's so many fitting parts that a lot of a lot of things could get overlooked, which is why people typically will come to the clinic. You know, our website's gersonclinic.com, G-E-R-S-O-N clinic.com, gersonclinic.com. Our email is director at gersonclinic.com. That comes straight to me. I handle all the intake. That's our contact information. Uh, just to let you know, we're also opening in Europe. We're going to be hopefully opening up a clinic in Eastern Europe in Bulgaria come next spring. So we're trying to expand this to other regions. We were due to, to do that before the pandemic. Also in Cambodia, I was supposed to open a clinic with, with the Secretary of State there, or former Secretary of State. Just gersonclinic.com. I'm Dr. Patrick Vickers. If you Google my name, you know, we'll pop up there too. Great. We will put a link to that in the workshop and the show notes. And 
Dr. Vickers, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your expertise with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.